with a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. This is our look at the upcoming Week 14 games across the NFL, and in this episode, we'll cover the regular weekly picks, get to the total tease, and also visit with our good friend Doc and find out Spiffy the Algorithm's Gold Pick of the Week. Gold! But first, with me as always from Almost Wise Guys Central, it's my main man, Andy the Prognosticator Attridge, and uh, we were on the right side of some pretty big upsets last week. We were. We were. The Giants, um, uh, the, the Broncos, keeping that Steelers. one Steelers. We were on. The, we were on the yeah. Washington football team. Yeah, we were on. Yeah, yeah, professional football team so, from Washington. And how um, about those Jets? Cover zero. Uh, <laughs> like, cover zero blitz. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to hear my conspiracy theory? Please, please share it. I honestly think they paid paid out Greg Williams to fall on his sword because they didn't want to win that game. They wanted to win the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. There is no reason. Like, Greg Williams has a Super Bowl ring, okay? And I, I admit some of his shit is questionable. But he has a Super Bowl ring. The guy knows, like a high school coach knows, you don't call cover zero on the last play of the game when you need all you need to do is knock a pass down. Right, but, but that would suggest that they were anticipating being in a winning spot with 10 seconds left in the game, which was highly unlikely to begin with. Yeah, completely against the Jets' game plan. I heard, actually, you know what? I heard a story this week that Matt Rule uh, was interviewed for their job that Adam Gase ultimately ended up getting. And But one of the conditions was that Matt Rule said, or they said to Matt Rule, you have to keep Greg Williams on as the DC. And he's like, nope. <laughs> <Next>. <laughs> well, yeah, he's a questionable guy. And I'm, I'm definitely not taking that away from him. Like he's, He's got issues, and I, I wouldn't want him as a defensive coordinator. But a guy with a Super Bowl ring has to know that cover zero in that situation is the absolute worst call you can do. Well, and it was a rookie uh, DB that they had hanging back there, too, yeah, right? So, like, how bad do you feel for that kid? Oh, Muffin, it's so, so hard sad. being you. Week 14 uh, looks pretty good, too. A couple big games. Uh, a lot of playoff implications now starting to take shape. There's some teams that can clinch either their division or... Or uh, a playoff berth with a win today or a couple other teams losing, which we can discuss uh, as we get to those games. You want to fire it up, big guy? Let's fire it up. Fucking go! All right, the first game on the docket. We're heading to Jacksonville, where uh, the Jags are seven and a half point underdogs against the visiting Tennessee Titans. 53 is your over under for this game. And uh, maybe we might want to look at taking another over on a Tennessee game because last game, Andy, you and I took uh, the over on uh, Tennessee Cleveland, and that was we, done by the first half. Yeah, we're sorry, we took the, the under, and it was over by the half. Well, it was yeah, 38 to 7 at halftime. <laughs> Ridiculous. Most points, the most points the Browns have ever scored in one in a, in a first half. And they had and, uh, Jim Brown and Otto Graham. So that's saying something. Well, that's, I, you're not going to see that too often. And, you know, we've talked about Tennessee's defense uh, regressing a little bit from last year. Yeah. Well, that was very clear 
um, watching that game. Yeah, I can't see Mike Vrabel standing for that. Uh, no, it's a, it's a bit surprising. I'm not sure how much you'd attribute to to injuries. I mean, most teams can point to that sort of thing this year, COVID list. And, but you know, we were on the right side, or at least I was on the right side of Jacksonville. Like, think, yeah, yeah I was, well, right? I was as well. Yep. Well, they gave now us they ten and a, a half they, points. Let's, let's just say they got a, a little bit of a visit from Lady Luck. Lucky. Uh, the first touchdown pass was tipped, right? Yep. Right in the hands of the receiver. Then they had a pick six on defense. Dan Bailey from Minnesota missed two field goals and an extra point, which is very un-Dan Bailey-like. Yep. But, yeah, you're right. The Titans, they, just, they were totally embarrassed by the Browns. Like, embarrassed. Do you think Browns. that they can bounce back? Like I, I think Vrabel had to have read them the riot act. This is a that this is a proud guy who made his money playing defense and playing yeah. defense at a Super Bowl winning caliber for most of his career. In fact, I believe he caught a couple touchdowns. Touchdown, Mike Vrabel. Jacksonville is on its way down. But this is well, going to be an yeah, interesting they, game they, because they're just ending every game. I think they've covered four of their last five. Uh, uh, Jacksonville's 500 against the spread. Tennessee is one game under 500 against. No, the no, no. I just here. mean in the last in the last five games. Yeah, I they've think. been hanging around. And you know, there's no lack of effort on any nope. side of the ball. Well, their running game is fantastic. This is almost like a rematch of last week's game when you're talking about rushing with Cleveland and Tennessee. Right? Yeah. You, well, in fact, there's another game that's even closer to that that we'll talk about later um, on Monday night, but. At seven and a half, it, it's almost difficult not to take Jacksonville here. Um, Tennessee kind of looks like the side because, oh, yes, they're fighting it out with the Colts for first place in the division. But I just think at home, it's a bit, they're a sneaky team. And I think they're going to find a way to, to cover this, even maybe if it's a backdoor cover. Yep, you make very good points there, but I'm leaning the other way. I think that Tennessee bounces back here. This is a team of proud guys that got absolutely embarrassed last week, and Tennessee had been playing great football up until then. Uh, as long as they can stop uh, Robinson, uh, they're a, Jacksonville's a lot less of a threat in the air than, than Cleveland is. They don't have near the talent at either quarterback or receiver or tight end for that matter. So I, I'm looking at Tennessee here to go to Jacksonville and, and put up a good game. Like you said, they, they, there was uh, Lady Luck played a big part in Jacksonville's cover last week. You can't be lucky all the time. So let's go Titans. Your luck's run out. Did you hear me? Chicago, Chicago, that toddling town. Up next, we head to the Windy City, where my Chicago Bears, my poor, poor Chicago Bears, they're one-point underdogs at home here, and uh, 44 and a half year over under. Houston is coming to town, and I just, dude, last week was an absolute heartbreaker until about a day later, I was like, you know what, that's probably better if this happens, because the worst thing that could happen is Mitch Trubisky wins uh, the next, well, like, let's say last week, then, you know, the next four out of five games, and they do enough to just let Nagy, Pace, and Trubisky keep their jobs, and we have another season like this of mediocrity and just plain blandness. So I, I want to... 
I guess I want to see my team lose out. What do you think here? <laughs> Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Well, I mean, like Chris, when they went, when Cole Komet, our guy from Notre Dame. Love Cole uh, And that, that's a part pass. of the Bears' future right there. He's a big yeah. part. And so that, you know, that made it 30 to 20. And that, that lead disappeared faster than a fart in a fan factory. Hi-oh! You could have pointed at a whole bunch of different plays, but that's that's unacceptable for a defense like Chicago. Yep. Uh, you know, obviously... Well, I can't there, believe the drop-off. No, there was fault on Trubisky, right? It wasn't the defense necessarily giving, um, getting no. that last uh, turnover. There was a couple issues, though. First of all, the, the drop-off between Vic Fangio and Chuck Pagano is night and day. Coaching makes a difference. Uh, the second part is Matt Nagy is a horrible coach. You saw what David Montgomery was doing in the first half. They were running the ball. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, he gets like no carries in the second half. I think he had like under ten. Like if you're if you're winning by the run and you're up by ten points, keep pounding the rock and call the exact same plays and tell your the the defense shows they can stop you. Keep running it. I was once on a team that did you know I think ten dive rights in a row. <laughs> you scored a touchdown That's because if you stop, can't yeah. yeah if you can't stop it, I'm gonna keep doing it. And then once you figure out how to stop it, I'm going to play action off of it. But apparently uh, these concepts are foreign to Nagy. Anyway, about this game, I just Texans right now, they're the opposite of the Bears. Their offense is pretty good, and their quarterback is amazing right now uh, as far as his uh, production. He's 110 passer rating this season is the highest in NFL history by a quarterback with a sub-500 record. So Deshaun Watson's doing what he can, but their defense is – allowing 406 uh, total yards a game and 150.9 rush yards per game. So Chicago could build off that running game. Well, in making my determination for my pick on this one, I simply went to the weather report. And you've got 15-mile-an-hour winds swirling around Soldier Field and about a 50% chance of snow. And, you know, these guys are coming up from Houston, and um, you can picture the Bears walking down Michigan Avenue with the Christmas trees out and, and Christmas music's playing. It, it's, it's December in Chicago, and we got a team coming from Texas, and the, the weather is, is not, is not going to be great. I like Chicago in this one. I really do. I know that might surprise you, but, um, you know, pick them, plus one, whatever. But I like Chicago to win. I think if you like Chicago and I'm with Andy, I'll take the Bears. Stop Bears. Stop Bears. Now we head to Carolina, where the Panthers, coming off a bye week, are three-point favorites at home against the visiting Denver Broncos. And, uh, well, Teddy Bridgewater's lost six straight games. That's actually tied for the second longest single streak in Carolina history. And in those six games, the last six weeks, they've got an 0-6 record, obviously. But uh, 67.2 completion percent, 226.5 passing yards per game. And this is the big problem right here, I think, is the eight touchdown and five interceptions. Add that to some of the fumbles they've had on offense, and there's your problem with the uh, 0-6 over the last six games, eh? Um, yeah, and things get a little bit more grim uh, in terms of injuries, but let's uh, digress for a second. This is a rematch of Super Bowl 50. 
between New Norm Manning versus Superman Cam Newton. Two totally different looking teams now, right? Very. Uh, now, Carolina's coming off their bye week, and Denver most recently played the Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. Advantage here, Carolina. Now, remember the last time we actually did see the Panthers play? They let the Vikings in the back door for a one-point win. And if you recall, there was two consecutive plays in which they fumbled, and the Vikings took it to the house for a major. Drew Locke, for your Denver Broncos, out of 32 teams in the league, has the 32nd quarterback rating. And that's actually behind Sam Darnold and the now-benched Carson Wentz. Oh, he's turning the ball over. It makes Jameis Winston look like a game manager. Oh, yeah. And the only thing that gives me pause before I pick the Panthers, uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey is questionable, but more definitively, wide receiver DJ Moore is now on the COVID list. We won't be seeing him on Sunday, which kind of explained the line movement from four to three. But much like last week when we picked the Pats-Rams game based on the coaching matchup between Belichick and Anthony Lynn, I'm going to say that Matt Rule is a better coach than Don Victor Fangio. Tell us something we don't know, motherfucker. Uh, so at three points at home, come on, give me Carolina. The one interesting stat that I did find is that with Christian McCaffrey out, the Panthers are four and five this year. But when he's in, they're zero and three. <laughs> That's a very peculiar stat considering what he brings to the table. I'm with you. Well, was that Kid Davis? Is it Davis? He really picked up the slack when McCaffrey was out because he, he was, uh, he, you know, he was able to catch the ball as well as run it, just like McCaffrey. And sometimes what happens is when you got a player like Run CMC, you start to try to force the ball to him. Yeah, and uh, that can that can result in a loss if if he's not getting anywhere. If you're playing a defense, it's just lock and Run CMC down. You got to beat him some other way. But I'll take Carolina minus three. Who's coming with me? Who's coming with me? Baby, if you've ever wondered, wondered whatever became of me. I'm living on the air in Cincinnati. Cincinnati WKRP. We're on to Cincinnati. Yes, on to Cincinnati, where the Bengals are three and a half point underdogs at home. 43 and a half is your over under. And of course, the lowly Dallas Cowboys are coming to town, dragging their gas cans all the way up from uh, Texas and uh, flicking matches the entire way. Their season is burning down, and that team has given up. The Bengals haven't so much as given up, they still seem to be playing hard. But they've just been unfortunately crushed by injuries. What do you think here, Andy? Is there a charity or something that we can donate to that will absolve our responsibility for discussing this game? Oh, I wish. Uh, I guess when you talk about the Bengals, you got to talk about their offensive line because it seems to be one of the worst in the league. In their last game against the Dolphins, they rushed for 40 yards, passed for 156, and allowed six sacks. Well, go back and watch the game, Andy. And when you see that scuffle happening on the sidelines, do you know where the the Bengals the players are? The offensive line was on the sidelines. They're on. Yeah, they're they're, they're on the bench. Bro. They're yeah. on the bench protecting no one as usual. That right. seems to be their job. And who was the recipient of non-protection? Was Brandon Allen, who got injured during the game, and they had to be uh, forced to go to Ryan Finley. They were three for twelve on third downs. 
<laughs> and, you know, even though Dallas lost to the Ravens, they're still only two games out of first place in the NFC least. Um, here's a stat for you. So Zach Taylor, head coach of the Cincinnati Bungles, 4-23-1. 4-23-1. <laughs> points. I don't care. Uh, I'm taking. I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys, who actually have something to play for here, even though it doesn't. It's a long shot, but that's that's my angle on this game. I think you have lost your mind. Are you seeing a psychiatrist? Because I got a flash for you, young man. You're not Copus Mentis. Bernard should have a really good day because the Cowboys are allowing 170 yards rushing per game. He's got 36 that's the most yards in the last NFL. Game. Okay, I'm lying. He got 30 yards last. Was game. was he playing the Cowboys? Well, no. Right. Yeah, okay. And what did the Cowboys defense do against the run last week? Can you refresh me on that one? Uh, they looked a bit like a sieve, Matty. Yeah, they did. They're also 2-10 and 10 against the spread. The Bengals are 7-5, and five, two games above 500 on the spread. Add to that, the Cowboys are on a very short week and a very demoralizing loss. Yeah, no way. I'll take the home dog here, not just with the 3.5 points. That's my first money line, Matty, pick of the week. <laughs> Down to South Beach, where the Miami Dolphins are seven-point underdogs at home against visiting Kansas City Chiefs. 49.5 is your over-under on the game. And, well, the corks were popping, weren't they, last week? Kind of uh, fitting that Brian Greasy was in the in the booth calling the game as his dad was one of the people popping said corks. Yeah, Larry Zonka even took to uh, Twitter. Tonight... I'm a Washington fan. It's funny because that team is so legendary. And as years go past, I almost wanted to be one of those unbreakable sports record that a team doesn't get for like another at least like 20, 25 years. So we see like an amazing team. Just it's kind of well, interesting that uh, the, the, in the legend of the NFL of the Super Bowl era, you've got one team that was able to run the table. That's how hard it is. And that's how much parody there is. Well, parody, free agency, call it what you will. But, yeah, I don't see that being replicated. Um, you know, Pittsburgh was in a really bad spot for that game. But uh, let's go Let's go into this game a little further. So yeah. let's look at the Kansas City Chiefs in their last four games, which they've won, by the way. But they've beaten the Broncos by six, the Bucks by three, the Raiders by four, and the Panthers by two. It's not like they're crushing teams. Like you would picture them to be. And I, I found a, a neat stat for comparative reasons. And it goes under the defensive side of the ball for both teams. And it's yards per point. So that means how many yards does the offense have to get on average to equal one point? Well, for Miami, it's a just over 20. By far the best in the league. Um, the Cowboys are in last, to give you a perspective, at 11.7. Now, if you go just in the last three games, that number jumps to over 30 yards for Miami. And the Chiefs may not have the services of Tyreek Hill, who did not practice on Wednesday, and listed as questionable with an illness. Now, it's not COVID, so he's not on the COVID list, 
But if that guy, even if he's back and not healthy, that that's a huge detriment to their offense. And we were talking about how opportunistic Miami's defense was, and I made the mistake of suggesting that wasn't sustainable. Well, the I've yet to see otherwise because they do it every game. Well, let's take a little bit more of an unpacking look at because you you talked a lot about recent stuff, like the last three games, if you, yeah. you know, last five games. Well, their last five games have been pretty easy when you look at who they've faced. Bengals, so they, they're, by the way, they're four and one, so they've won the games they should, right? The, yep. uh, so they beat the Bengals, Jets, Chargers, and Cards, and they lost to the Broncos. So the one team that had a, a, a competitive defense, they couldn't beat. And with Tua, I'm not sure because, it, you know, he is taking care of the ball. 136 pass attempts without an interception. No interception. Exactly. Yeah. That's the second most by a rookie quarterback to start a career in NFL history. And Miami is nine and three against the spread. They're spread killers. But man, they've scored fewer than 20 points in each of Tungavailoa's last two starts. And Casey's scored fewer than 20 points once in Patrick Mahomes' 43 career starts. That is mind-boggling. I it think is. Casey uh, goes into Miami. It's going to be a nice, warm, sunny day. I- I'm going to take the Chiefs here to cover that seven points on the road. And on to the Meadowlands. Uh, the Giants are home dogs at uh, plus one and a half. 45s your over-under against visiting Arizona Cardinals. This seems to be like two teams going in two different trajectories. Tell me I'm wrong. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, after an 0-5 start, the G-Men have won five of their last seven. And the Cards have lost four of their last five. And what an impressive outing the Giants had against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, holding them to just five points. Yeah, ridiculous. Who would have thought that? And, and without their starting quarterback. <laughs> yep. Yeah. The Giants have allowed fewer than 20 points in three straight games for the first time since 2009. So it's been over a decade. When you look at the other side of the ball, DeAndre Hopkins has fewer than 60 receiving yards in three straight games for the first time since 2016. Right. And that high well, flying yeah. offense, it's got to go into to New York. It's going to be right. 55 Fahrenheit and rain in the forecast. Yeah. And let's not forget about that quality turf that they have at the Meadowlands. And, you know, is Kyler Murray going to yeah. be able to scramble around like a wild man on yeah. that stuff without injuring himself? Yep. Um, I think we're both going in the same direction on this one, Maddie. We are because the New York Giants are my second money line, Maddie, pick of the week. Let's go back to Florida. Florida? But that's America's way. Where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are six and a half point favorites against visiting Minnesota Vikings. 51 and a half. You're over under on this one. And uh, Kirk Cousins has had kind of a renaissance since week eight. 15 pass touchdowns and two interceptions. 
Well, um, I can tell you a, a big part of that. The reasoning is a guy named Justin Jefferson, the rookie out of LSU. What is it the- with the Vikings being able to scout awesome receivers? Like, look at the lineage from Chris Carter on. Yeah. Yeah, Chris yeah. Carter, Randy freaking Moss. Moss, yeah. Like, I mean, you have, uh, and, you know, they got rid of Stefan Diggs, and all of a sudden they come up with this kid. It's unreal. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen numbers like this in over 35 years. He's got 61 receptions already, seven TDs, and over 1,000 yards. And he's got 17 yards per reception. Is that good? And, you know, at the beginning of the season, they were a run-first offense. And now they're becoming more balanced, which kind of explains, you know, how they got off their poor start at 1-5 and to start the season. Then they went in their bye week. And ever since then, things have been on track. And quite the opposite is true for the Bucks. You know, after they lost decisively by the Saints about a month ago, they just haven't looked the same since. You nope. see bickering on the sidelines. Well, Tom Brady always does that. But he's, he's a negative whining. guy. And negativity's yeah. fine. If everybody's winning and you're performing well, you'll take that. But if yep. you're losing, and also part of the reason you're losing is because your 42 or 43-year-old quarterback is chucking picks like you may as well have Jameis Winston back there still, I wouldn't take that shit, especially if I played on his defense. Right. You're like, fuck and, you, old man. Throw the ball and, to somebody with our jersey on. But I don't want to be a pirate. <laughs> and now you got Godwin and Mike Evans as listed as questionable. And I got a feeling one of them isn't going to start. And on the other side of the ball, they still have Adam Thielen, who just got back last week after returning from the COVID list. So Minnesota's really firing on all cylinders, whereas the Bucks aren't. And you're giving me six and, six and a half points? I'm taking the Vikings. Yeah, I'm going to take the Vikings as well. It was funny. Somebody, when I was talking to him yesterday, was arguing with me about Tom Brady being 14-4 and in his career following a bye week with an average margin of victory of 17.3 points. Yep, those 14-4, and that was with a Patriots team and Bill Belichick. Thank you. And that's a Bill Belichick stat. That's not a Tom Brady stat. Thank you, because Bill Belichick always comes out of a bye week looking good. Good. His teams always look are ready to play out of a bye week. He's the opposite of Matt Nagy. Him and Andy Reid, one hundred percent. So I I I discount that stat one hundred percent. Both these teams are five hundred against the spread, and I just think Tampa Bay uh, sitting at six and a half points at home. It's a pretty high total. I think Minnesota can come in there and cover that. You know what I'm in the mood for? Screaming Vikings. Now we head to Las Vegas, where the Raiders are two and a half point home dogs against the visiting Indianapolis Colts. 51 and a half, sure, over under here. Philip Rivers, for as much as we bash him, he loves to play the Raiders. He has the most wins, 18, pass yards, 7,103, and pass TDs, 47, versus the Raiders in NFL history. Wow. I did not know that. I did weird, not know that. I weird and wild that. stuff. Weird, weird, wild stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> the Raiders are 5-2 and two on the road and only 2-3 and three in Las Vegas. Too much time spent at the slot machines, roulette wheel, <laughs> strip joints. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say the Spearmint Rhino is probably your best bet. Yeah, that's likely where they're hanging out. But there's nothing about this Colts team that I don't like right now. 
you could make the argument that they probably shouldn't have won that game or at least covered last week, but they're doing it on offense. They're doing it on defense. I just, they're just a very complete team and they're predictably, I'm predictably confident in every week that they're playing. And, and it's, this week is no different. Um, you know, John Gurdon can get up for big games like the Chiefs or the Bucks or whatever, but uh, Indianapolis, I think they're just a far superior team than a, a three-point line would dictate. Well, the Raiders do have three wins this season versus teams currently in the playoff picture, right? Uh, yep. And that's tied for the most such wins in the That's NFL. what I mean. He can get yeah. up for big yep. games. They've beat New Orleans, they've beat KC, and they've beat Cleveland. But I agree with you. I think Indianapolis is just, they're putting something together this year on both sides of the ball. Um, they're not flashy. They're not like Kansas City or even like Buffalo where they're, you know, you're going to get a lot of excitement. But they're methodically going downfield and putting up points. they got a solid offensive line, and their defense can get the stop when you need it. So I'm, I'm with you. Um, now, the only question mark here, and I don't know for sure, but if you give me one second, I can check it here. Josh Jacobs is listed as... Did not practice on Wednesday, but he was out last week against the Jets, which obviously was the tail of the tape. Um, he's something been, banged, to keep an he's eye been banged up a bit this year as well. Yeah, this line actually opened at uh, two and a half, moved up to three. I'm not sure exactly what steamed it to that key number, but yeah, I'm going with the Colts here. So we're at three points? Three. Three points? All right. Well, the line is steamed, but I'm with you. I'm still going to take the Indianapolis Colts to cover. People ask me, what are we doing here? Las Vegas Raiders, knees, head, knees, head, huh? What are we doing? We're winning games, man. I left my heart in San Francisco. Well, up next, we go to Arizona, where the San Francisco 49ers will be the home team against visiting Washington football team. Three points is uh, your spread uh, in favor of the San Francisco 49ers, and 43.5 is your over-under. And this is an interesting uh, little stat that I found this week. It doesn't look good for your Niners. Teams to play, quote, home games at a different NFL team stadium are 1-5 in five since the 1970 merger. Yeah, but Arizona's a place they're used to playing every year anyway, right? And now this is their second game. And in fact, next week, they're, yeah, they're going to be there as well. Um, you know, it's it's unfortunate because this was going to be sort of a homecoming of sorts for Alex Smith, but the game's not in San Francisco, right, as you he, as he mentioned. Yeah. But Washington did exactly what I expected them to do against the Steelers, who were just in a really bad scheduling spot. And... Very impressively, they did it without Antonio Gibson, who went out in the first quarter. But I was dead wrong about the 49ers, and I thought the momentum of the Rams' win would carry over to the Bills' game, but apparently not. Admittedly, there were a couple of officiating calls, one against them on defense and a critical third down. They could have easily turned the tide of the game uh, probably late in the second quarter. But, as a wise man once told me... Like if your aunt's had balls, she'd be your uncle. But she doesn't, so she's not. You know. Now, this is Washington's third road game in a row. Right? So they've been flying yeah. across country. They, they're getting on an airplane every week, and San Fran just gets to set up shop and go golfing in Arizona. Yep. Uh, Gibson, the aforementioned Gibson, is listed as doubtful for this game. And I think... Th 
So I remember at the end, or at least in the second half of the 49er game, you and I were texting each other, and I said, what do you think the line is on San Fran? And you put it really close to a touchdown, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I think and I had I it was, at six and a I half. Thinking, six or I was six and a half. three at the time. Now, it opened, It started at five, but it got bet down really quickly. And that's the recency effect. You see Alex Smith throw, throw for f- over 400 yards against that Steelers defense, yep. who, by the way, can't run the ball. So, I mean, there's a whole bunch of factors why the Steelers lost that game. And then you look at San Francisco, and if you look at their last four losses, they were all against teams leading their division at the time. The Bills, the Packers, the Saints, and the Seahawks. And this is a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. And although they've been decimated with injuries throughout the season, there's a lot of guys on that IR that are coming back. I mean, obviously, there's ones that are not like Bosa and Garoppolo. But when you got Eric Armstead back and you got Raheem Mostert and Debo Samuel and and Brendan Ayuk back, I I think that they can cover this three here. You think they're going to fucking use Debo Samuel this week? Took him like a full half to get him back in the to get him in the game last week. He's like one of my favorite players that isn't a Chicago Bear. Because right. every time that guy touches the ball, something exciting can happen. And uh, Kyle like Shanahan almost, said with that jet sweep. If do right, you can defense. I also went back and grabbed that conversation we had. I actually did. I pegged it. You you thought it was going to be a pick 'em or close to. I had it at minus three. So I, oh, I nailed the right. spread. Oh, all right. Well, I get, but, my, but you thought it was going to be a lot higher than I did. Yes. I think that I'm going to go with you here. I think this is a letdown spot for Washington coming off a big win, having to go on the road. San Francisco has to keep pace in this division. Uh, it's going to be very hard for them. I think mathematically they're still in it, but they're, oh, they're very, yeah, they're, I wouldn't say very much still in it, no, but, but there's a chance things have happened, you know, win out and at least you've got a shot, right? Well, look so, how poor Seattle's been playing. So you're telling me there's a chance. Well, that's, that's my point is you, you've got a team that's going down. Arizona's losing games. Uh, oh, the, the Rams, Rams are, are playing, coming on. Rams are playing the Patriots tonight. Yeah. Right. So that could that, easily go awry for them. Especially with the way that the Pats have been coached up over the last, you know, four weeks or so. They've been playing very good football. So, yeah, I think San Francisco needs this to keep pace in their division. And I'm going to take the Niners here to cover at home. Up to the Pacific Northwest, where the Seahawks are 13 and a half point favorites against the visiting New York Jets. Uh, 47 and a half is your over under. And uh, I think this is the most asinine spread of the week with the way Seattle's been playing and with the way New York seems to be able to kind of hang around in games. Well, this, is, this spreads almost three times as many points as they scored last week. Yeah, right. Against the New York team. Uh, and they're ranked 31st and 32nd, respectively, in the league in passing yards allowed per game. Now, one big difference there is over the last three games, the Seahawks have tightened it up to 179 yards, while the Jets have been allowing 318. A lot of that has to do with the competition they were playing and their style of play. Raiders versus the Giants, for example, last yes. week. I, I, yeah, I think it's I think it's too high for a Jets team that does not want to be in the same conversation as an 0-16 Detroit Lion team. And you saw that last week. There was no lack of effort. 
Frank Gore went out early, but they still picked it up with the running game. And that was against a pretty good Raiders team. Uh, I'm not saying Seattle's uh, going to lose here by any stretch of the means, but I kind of like the Jets to keep it a little bit close here, don't you? Yep. I'm with you. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. Seattle, it just isn't working on all cylinders. And the Jets, like I said, they can hang around. So 13 and a half points in a professional football game with an offense that isn't clicking. I'll take the New York Jets to cover on the road. Hello, Detroit. Yes, hello Detroit. Uh, the Lions are at home this week, and it's an NFC North matchup with Green Bay coming to town. The Lions are home dogs by 7.5 points. 55 is your over-under. That game last week, the Lions really squeaked that one out against the Bears. Going to be a lot harder to do against Green Bay, though. Was that a Daryl Bevel bounce? A, a new winning attitude in Detroit? Listen, pal, maybe you haven't heard. I'm the guy in all Detroit. So Bevel told his players before the game, we are a windshield with no rear view mirror. So obviously they're looking forward. You saw that in the game. Do they get this two games in a row? And then you look at Green Bay. Are there any chinks in that armor for the Packers? Um, that, uh, at nine the defense, and three, their defense seems to allow a lot of points. They allow they allow a lot of points. They're they're nine and three, and they've only lost to the Colts, the Vikings, and the Bucks. They are converting third downs at a fifty percent clip, and they're scoring in the red zone three every four times. At this point, they probably have the Saints in their sights for the number one seed in the NFC, and now consequently the only buy position in the revised playoff format. Now, Detroit, on the other hand, has been the model of inconsistency. Their schedule goes like this: loss, loss, win, loss. Win-win, loss-loss, win-win, loss-loss, win. That sounds more like a paradiddle than anything else. And I don't know if Galladay's playing. I don't know if Swift is playing. But with those two guys out, there's absolutely no reason why we wouldn't be taking the Packers here to cover. Yeah, I just, I can't, I agree with you. I can't see Detroit uh, two weeks in a row pulling something out, especially against a Green Bay team that is just, so much better than the rest of the NFC North. They're averaging 37 points per game versus their division counterparts this year. That's the third most versus divisional opponents in a single season in the Super Bowl era. Also, Aaron Rodgers being 5-0 and in his career versus the Lions in December. I just I can't see it happening. Green Bay 8-4 and against the spread. Lions a couple games under 500 against the spread. So I'm going to I'm going to go with Green Bay here on the road to cover even though it's more than a touchdown. Everybody knows that the Packers Well, the L.A. Chargers, uh, coming off an embarrassing loss last week, are at home, and they're two-and-a-half-point underdogs against the Atlanta Falcons. 49-and-a-half is your over-under for the game, and uh, Young-Ho Koo for the Atlanta Falcons, a guy that originally couldn't find a job in the NFL, has scored 38 points in the last three weeks. The rest of Atlanta, 24 points. <laughs> well, 
Let's speak in the special teams. So New England lined up for five punts in the game against the Chargers last week. On three of those plays, the Chargers had the wrong number of players on the field. Oh, Anthony they, Lynn should never be a coach. I was thinking, you know, watching this game, I was like, what if Bill Belichick was coaching the Chargers and Anthony Lynn was coaching the Pats? What would the score have been? Probably 45 to nothing. <laughs> On the other side, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like uh, Gunnar Olskowski, the, the punt returner, he had one touchdown, 145 yards on three carries. That's 48.3 yards per carry. Cam Newton had 69 yards passing in a game where they won by 45 points. And in fact, backup quarterback, Stidham, who had two completions, got 61 yards. I'll tell you this. If that happened in New England and they had that many undisciplined special teams fuck-ups that basically cost them the game, the next morning the players would walk in down the players' tunnel and see the special teams coordinator for the Patriots hanging by a noose, and Bill Belichick would be like, oh, I guess he suicided himself hard to find anybody's role on our team that's the same every week yeah (laughs) (laughs) right like uh, there's no way that that would stand and it's about discipline and the chargers don't have any atlanta hasn't been playing amazing this year but the reason why young hoku can score 38 points in the last three weeks is even though atlanta when they get over their opponent's 50 yard line aren't the best at cashing it in for touchdowns all the time uh, Matt Ryan seems to be fine at getting him into field position. Atlanta's been playing much better defense as well. Well, I'm going to make an argument otherwise. So All bear right, with me for it. a second. Let's, let's hear you. So it doesn't start well either. The Chargers haven't beaten a team this year with more than two wins. Nice. And Justin Herbert has only won two games in his NFL career, and that was against the Jets and the Jaguars people in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. But he's in every conversation about rookie of the year, or at least offensive rookie of the year. Now, do you think he's going to be able to earn that award with two wins? No. And I'm not saying that it's coming down on his shoulders, but you got to expect that Anthony Lynn was so embarrassed that there's going to be a totally different look here. And Atlanta played and lost to the New Orleans Saints last week, divisional game. Well, guess what? They're playing the Bucks next week. Now, this is not the sandwich game of the week, but it is a mini sandwich game of the week. If I sell two sandwiches for $10 each, that equals... Money. So, with Atlanta being in the middle of two divisional games and the Chargers coming off an embarrassing loss going back home... I'm going to take the two and a half points, put them in my back pocket, and I'm going to take the bolts. I'm just not feeling the Chargers right now. I just—I mean, I'm not going to bet on this game with my own money, but since we pick them all, I'm going to take the Atlanta Falcons. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. In our last game of the late window on Sunday afternoon, we head to the City of Brotherly Love where the Philadelphia Eagles are seven-point underdogs against the visiting New Orleans Saints. 44 is your over-under here. And, I mean, man, I guess the big news here, Carson Wentz benched. Jalen Hurts is going to be starting. And I saw a funny stat. Carson Wentz makes over $900,000 a game. 
Yeah. Jalen Hurts' salary for the whole season is just eight hundred thousand and change. Brutal. Yeah, I, and they, they signed Carson Wentz, and I, I'd love to to go back. I'm too lazy to do this, but go back a couple years when they signed Carson Wentz to that big money contract, and on this show, I said that's going to be an albatross that franchise is going to wear for a while. Well, they, they, they actually, they're on the hook for next year of 25 mil. Yep. The only, way, the only way that they can be absolved of that would be to have them traded, and really, who, who the hell will want that guy? At that price. Like right. if if they would want to trade them, they'd still have to eat probably a oh, whole bunch of that salary, of that. and that of comes that. off the cat. I bet you it'd be more than half of it. Well, I mean, at the beginning well, of the maybe season, not, but geez, it's, he's horrible. If you were to sit in week one and go, okay, it's week fourteen, let's see, Saints against the Eagles. Oh, that's got to be Taysom Hill against Jalen Hurts, right? Yeah, well, it's twenty twenty four. Yeah, um, now that you've got the Saints playing their third game in a row on the road. And in fact, this is five of the last seven outside of the Superdome. They had a tough game against the division rival Atlanta Falcons last week. And next week, they play the Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs. I think you know where I'm going with this, Matty. It's an almost wise guys sandwich game. What are you? An idiot sandwich. This is an official muffalata-style sandwich from the Big Easy. Whether you call it a muffaletta or a muffalata, it all means the same thing. A sandwich covered with olive salad, then layers of salami, ham, and provolone. The muffalata originated here at Central Grocery in New Orleans. New Orleans has already clinched a playoff spot. And even with only three wins, the Eagles are still in the mix in that division. I don't think, well, I, yeah, it's a, it's going to be a flat spot for New Orleans, I'm predicting. And at seven points, kind of like the Eagles sneaking through the back door, even though we already know that Carson Wentz is the backdoor man, I'm going to leave that job to Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I'm thinking that they get a little bit of a bump from Jalen Hurts, even if it's his mobility. Uh-huh. And if you look, it's going to be rain and 60 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> I think I see Philadelphia coming in here and... Uh, and, and covering this seven points. They're at home, the weather like that, and they're going to get a bump from a new starting quarterback. And mommy doesn't make porn, no, she makes ham sandwiches. But porn stars are women, just like your mom. So some porn stars are done from a long day on set and they go home and make little boy ham sandwiches? Yes, Adam. Porn stars make little boys ham sandwiches too. I'm going to find that porno room. And I'm not going to be the one cranking down in the corner and potentially being a stunt cock. No. I'm going to shut it down. Because no mommy should go home and make ham sandwiches for little boys with ejaculator on their fingers. Well, the Sunday Nighter this week is going to be a banger. We go to Western New York and coming fresh off of a huge win last week in primetime, uh, Josh Allen and co are two and a half point favorites against a one loss Pittsburgh Steelers team. 46 and a half is your over under Pittsburgh, though. They've had a, a schedule that isn't as hard as a lot of other teams. I'd say they're in the the lower half of the league when it comes to strength of schedule. Right, but and that's th- in terms of the teams they played. In terms of when they played those teams, you couldn't have a more disruptive schedule. Yes, very true. Very true. 
Um, you know, a week ago the Steelers were eleven and zero, and the narrative was, you know, if they could run the if they can run the table, and then six days and an Alex Smith led win by the professional football team from Washington, and now they find themselves as underdogs. Yeah, it's uh, tough. Both are coming off of a short week, right? So there's yeah. no real advantage that no. way. Uh, there's definitely some weather issues when you play in Orchard Park. Uh, I think that uh, it, it's obviously going to be cold, but it could also be uh, either uh, rain or a little bit of like heavier sleet type stuff. Well, it like, looks like 15 mile an hour winds. And yeah, uh, again, I think you're, you're going to probably see more wind. It's uh, going to be about 50 degrees. Or Sorry, you're going to see more rain than snow at 50 degrees. But yeah, the, the weather's not been great. But that, you know, both teams are used to that. I don't think that favors either one of them. Well, it's very interesting because Pittsburgh, for all the talent that they have at wide receiver, they lead the league in drops this season at 33. And especially the last couple games, it's really showed. And I think uh, there's one other stat that I found very interesting. Of the seven previous teams to start 11-0 and or better in the last 25 seasons, four of them lost consecutive games after their undefeated start. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that Mike Tomlin was too bothered about that loss to Washington because now that monkey's off the back, they don't have to talk about the undefeated season. But if anything was exposed, it was their, it was the rushing attack, which we knew wasn't good, and they did not have James Conner. But if, in the last three games, the Steelers are averaging 3.5 yards per rushing attempt. And Buffalo, although nothing stellar, is doing it at a 4.3-yard clip in the same category. You know, if you go back to that Pittsburgh game against Washington, uh, there was one series where they were first in goal, and because of a penalty on Washington, they actually had six chances at the end zone and still didn't get in. Like, that's where you have to be able to pound the rock. And in fact, Buffalo had the same situation playing San Fran. Um, They couldn't get in on four straight tries on the ground. But, you know... Uh, the Bills are averaging, again, going to the last three games, they're averaging 109 yards on the ground. Steelers, 65. And I guess if there is a if there is an advantage because of the weather, it would be the ground game, which, in you know, in my tally sheet, uh, favors the Bills. And under a field goal, I'm going to take the home team here. Yeah, it favors the Bills. And also at the quarterback position, the most important position in the game, it favors Josh Allen because his mobility is far better than what Big Ben is at this point in his career. So I'm, I'm with you. I think especially under a field goal, I like the Bills at home to uh, win another big game in prime time. Go Bills. Yeah, just to buttress that a little bit further, if you look at the uh, injury list, you've got the services of center Marquise Pouncey, not likely, the guy that touches the ball every single down, um, Cricker kicker Chris Boswell will not likely be playing again and that had a factor in the Washington game and of course Bud Dupree's out and Joe Hayden is listed as questionable after suffering a concussion so there's four great reasons why you should be picking the Bills And finally, only one Monday nighter this week. Kind of a letdown. (laughs) 
the Cleveland Browns are at home. And no this Tuesday is, game, Maddie. No yeah, Tuesday game. It's emotionally crushing. I kind of, I didn't realize how much football I would like. I, each one of those days, I was excited. So yeah. I guess you really can't get enough football. No, you can't. But for this game, the Cleveland Browns are one-point underdogs at home against visiting Baltimore Ravens. 45 and a half, you're over under. And, uh, well, Cleveland coming off a very big win against a very good team. Baltimore, they did what they had to do, to, but they played Dallas. I mean, really... I just I can't count on Baker Mayfield. This is the biggest problem. Is yeah, if Baker Mayfield played like that every week, I think it was Tony Kornheiser who said he'd be Joe Montana. But that's why he's Baker Mayfield. He doesn't play like that every week. Although it was interesting that he finally did it against a team above five hundred. Right, and I think he's the only quarterback in the league to have two games this year with three passing touchdowns in the first half. But yeah, that's. That's not something he replicates week in and week out. Cleveland's uh, defense looked great against the rush last week, too. Uh, it really did a good job. You know, you're never going to well, stop Derrick Henry, but... Yeah, they, they better look pretty good, because guess what? Um, these are the top two teams in rushing. Ironically, last game against Tennessee, that was Cleveland and Tennessee were the top two teams. Yep. Baltimore's... Uh, convincing win over the civ of a defense of the Dallas Cowboys and now vaulted them into that spot. But so they're not going to run the ball. Again. Baltimore's not going to be able to run the ball against Cleveland like they did against Dallas. And furthermore, if you watch that game, Baltimore really laid an egg that first half. And Dallas was in that game until they basically shit the bed as the Cowboys are wont to do. Well, do you remember that fourth and four at around yep. the 40-yard line? And it's it's like the field opened up like the Red Sea, and 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 there wasn't there wasn't a guy within ten yards of Lamar oh. Jackson who just ran it straight up the middle. And in fact, if I recall correctly, the announcer said that is the longest touchdown run by a quarterback in the history of the Dallas Cowboys against yep. that defense. Oh, that play that hole was so big he could have just did that whole play on a Segway scooter. <laughs> That's about as fast he was going. Um, I was going back and forth. I, I think what's tipping the scales, um, you've, you've got John Harbaugh at the helm and no slight to Kevin Stefanski because he's done a wonderful job this year. But yeah, Baker Mayfield, I don't see him doing that two weeks in a row, but I can see Lamar Jackson doing it two weeks in a row. Well, I think that uh, the weather's not going to play uh, a big part. I mean, it's only going to be, it's going to be just a little above freezing. Uh, but there won't be any precipitation in the game. However, I just I look at Baltimore. I know that Baker Mayfield can't be counted on week to week, but Baltimore can't either. Cleveland's at home. They've got a lot of emotion going on too, and I can't believe they're doing all this even without the services of Odell Beckham Jr. I'm going to take the Cleveland Browns here as my final money line Matty pick this week. Which only leaves one question, Matty. What's that, buddy? Are you going to steam? Are you going to Cleveland steam this line to a pick'em? This line is now officially a Cleveland steamer. What do you want, a Cleveland steamer? I said get in the car. What's a Cleveland steamer? It means that he'll... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Be cool. Be cool. Yeah, so go to Maple Street and then take a left and then uh, you go... Uh... Okay, so you want a party or what? Get in this car right now! <laughs>
Oh, and now one of the best times of the week, we get to talk to our good friend, Doc. Great Scott! And uh, find out what his algorithm Spiffy thinks. Now, just as a little housekeeping note, uh, a friend of mine actually thought that Spiffy was Doc's dog. So I guess I didn't explain well enough what Spiffy is. Spiffy is an algorithm that the Doc, who's uh, a mathy on a level that none of us will ever touch, uh, he has built this algorithm, and, and, and Spiffy does very well. So every week, Spiffy comes on. He gives us a few hot picks uh, where he sees some disparities between uh, what the Vegas line is and what the outcome should be. And uh, he gives us his gold pick of the week. That's gold, Jerry. Thank you very much for coming on again. Doc, how are you today? Thanks, Maddie. Nice to hear from you. And a very kind introduction. Swiffy was one and three last week and not feeling very thrilled about that. It happens to it, the best of you us. You know, it happens every now and then. What, well, um, how about this week? There's, uh, there's some pretty good uh, spreads on the board this week. So how about before we get to that little nugget of gold... Uh, why don't we talk about Spiffy's hot picks? Where does he see some Spiffy's, disparities this week? Spiffy's hot picks. Spiffy likes uh, just a couple games this week. Tight lines, he, eh? Usually Spiff, Spiffy, uh, how do you put this? If a human player, especially uh, you know a recreational one like, like Spiffy is, um, would like to have action on a lot of different games because it makes them more fun to watch. And so Spiffy doesn't have this kind of emotional uh, hurdle to to overcome. Spiffy just looks at the lines and says, I like this one, I don't like that one. And if there's only a couple games on the weekend that Spiffy's interested in, he doesn't miss the rest. So Spiffy, Spiffy is cold-blooded. Cold-blooded! It's Discipline. right. Disciplined, I think is Disciplined, the word. that's right. And... Uh, so Spiffy has his eye on three games this weekend, and uh, as usual, I, I don't know really what to think, except Spiffy's got a long-term record that's much better than mine at picking these things. So I'm just going to tell you what Spiffy's got and keep my own ignorance out of it. <laughs> so start with the hot ones. What is Spiffy like this the year? The hot ones at Tampa Bay, where the Minnesotas are coming in. Yep. And Minnesota's getting six and a half points. And Spiffy thinks this is lined up to be a very close game. So he likes the points and the Vikings. Uh, Maddie and I both concurred on yeah. that. So what Spiffy was the, is uh, screaming Viking. Nice. <laughs> what, was the, uh, what was the total that Spiffy picked on that one? Spiffy thinks 53. Okay, so but we're on the posted total. That's pretty close. Okay, cool. Um... Spiffy, for at least a year and a half, has regarded the Vikings as the best team in the NFC North, even though they haven't been in first place ever during that time. But they've played really tough games against good teams. Have you been blowing? Have you been blowing PCP smoke into Spiffy's fan? <laughs> no, no. Spiffy just looks at the scores of the games and says, "You know, these guys don't get blown out. They play tough." And uh, Tampa Bay hasn't been good lately. So nope, we definitely agree with Spiffy there. Spiffy what likes else does that. Spiffy like Spiffy likes uh, Sunday night's game in Buffalo, where the Pittsburghs are getting two and a half points, and and Spiffy thinks Pittsburgh's good enough to win this game outright. So Spiffy likes the Steelers and the two and a half. 
you know, I'm from Western New York, so I just have to kind of sigh when Spiffy does things like well, this. I'm on the Bills this week as I was last, although I believe Andy's on the Steelers. Are you not, Andy? No, no, no. I, I was on the Bills. Oh, I, right. Although it was, it was uh, damn near a coin toss for me, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, we're head Spiffy's, up with Spiffy on that one this week. We're head up with Spiffy. Spiffy thinks Pittsburgh by a field goal, though, so and two and a half is gravy does he and have then, any more hot picks or are we on the, to the gold pick of the week the gold pick of the week that's gold Jerry. Go. i love gold swiffy has never given up on the ravens swiffy thought all oh, last year the ravens were the hottest thing going and uh still thinks they're the best team in the league even though they're only seven and five and he hasn't bought into cleveland at all this is the you know nine and three, but with a negative point differential, they have won a lot of close games against bad teams, and they've got beat up a couple of times by good teams. So Spiffy likes the Ravens here minus one at Cleveland Monday night. Nice, I like that one. Maddie doesn't, but I do. Oh, well, I think that's going to be a really interesting game. I think Sunday night's also going to be a really interesting game, and we'll know a lot more about the best teams in the AFC next week at this time. Right on, Doc. Well, we uh, we appreciate you stopping by. It was uh, always excellent to talk with you. And, uh, well, if you're a friend of Spiffy's, you got to get down this weekend with his picks. And uh, just a note to our listeners, remember, all of our picks are on our Facebook fan page. They usually get posted sometime on Friday afternoon. So thanks a lot, Doc. Thank you uh, to Spiffy as well. Thanks, guys. Take care. Good luck. We'll talk to you later. All right. Cheers, Doc. Please hang up and try again. Well, it's about that time where we get to our total tease. This is where Andy and I both give you a total that we like for the weekend and also a little teaser to get down on. Andy, you first. Well, let's go to the game that I least wanted to talk about, and that was Dallas-Cincinnati. And they got a very low total at 42.5, and and it seems to me that neither team has much interest in playing defense. So I'm going to take that one to go over the total. My teaser starts... And Tampa Bay. And I liked Minnesota at plus six and a half, and I'm loving them at plus 12 and a half. The second leg of that teaser goes all the way across the country to La La Land, where the Chargers are at home at two and a half point dogs. Well, I'm going to take that through the key number of three and seven, and I'm going to get them up to eight and a half. So to recap, the total Dallas Cincinnati over 42 and a half, Minnesota up to 12 and a half, and the Chargers up to eight and a half. For the third week in a row, I'm agreeing with you on the total. I think Dallas Cincy 43 and a half is an excellent spread to get down on, and I'm taking the over. And uh, we agree on the first game of our teaser as well, Minnesota at Tampa Bay. I sure love taking Minnesota from plus six and a half to plus 12 and a half. And the second leg of my teaser, I'm going to prime time where the Buffalo Bills are at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Buffalo's minus two and a half point favorites. So I like taking them from minus two and a half to plus three and a half so to recap i like dallas at cincinnati uh, with the over set at 42 and a half uh, for my teaser uh, minnesota at tampa bay take minnesota from plus six and a half to plus 12 and a half and pittsburgh at buffalo buffalo from minus two and a half to plus three and a half he's one of those idiots who believe in analytics 
Well, thank you so much for listening to week 14 of Almost Wise Guys. And really, thanks for listening if you've been listening uh, a lot for the last five years, because next week is our 75th show. So we're going to have a lot of fun. And I want to thank everyone who's made this uh, little journey possible. It just started out as Andy and I talking football to basically no one. And now we've got a small, albeit devoted fan base. So thank you very much for hanging around with us and letting us chat football and gambling with you every week uh, if you sure. like this yeah definitely right buddy yeah absolutely man so if you like what you heard make sure you hit the subscribe button on itunes or soundcloud then you won't miss a show uh, you can also hit us up on our facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all week 14 games across the nfl from the coast of nostra studios for andy the prognosticator atridge back at almost wise guys central i'm maddie buller get out pick yourself a winner if you liked our podcast please share it with a friend if you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. In a little cafe, just the other side of the border. He was sitting there giving me looks that made my mouth water. So I started walking her way. She belonged to Batman Jose. Was in